Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. And welcome back to What's Appa, a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce. I'm Justin. And I'm Anand. And on this episode of the podcast, we're going to be going home to the Southern Air Temple. Cool. So um, as usual, we're going to get started and talk about the episode in chronological order. And we're going to have discussions about what we've noticed along the way. And just to kick it off again, I want to give credit to the writer and director of the episode. So this episode was written by Mike DiMartino and it was directed by Lauren McMullen. So a female director. So let's just jump right into it. We start off with a little recap on the last episode. So they give us a little previously on Avatar. And just a reminder for the last two episodes, we discover Aang from the giant iceberg and then Aang also finds out that he's been in the iceberg for 100 years, finds out about the war. Um, and then according to legend, the Avatar has to master all four elements. So now they're going to the Northern Water Tribe to find a waterbending master for Aang and for Katara. So then we get to the title screen, which looks different this time. So I actually completely forgot about this, but it's very stark because most of the episodes have a blank, a white background with the book and the episode name um but this one actually has a giant rising sun so we get to the first scene um which is ang being super super excited about showing his new best friend Sokka and katara the southern air temple which is where he grew up i think the scene is really great because it's not really a theme but more like a motif of how team avatar and how they set up camp reflects the state of the team because in spoiler alert Later on, when they meet Toph for the first time, they have a really hard time trying to get her to join Team Avatar and set up camp. And I think this is really great because this is the first time we really see Team Avatar setting up camp. And they're really disorganized. They're on different pages from each other. Yeah. And you find out later that Aang has used Sokka's blubbery seal jerky to make the fire. So clearly not on the same page. Yeah, it makes sense for their first escapade. Just growing pains. Um, but yeah, so we also just see Katara taking on kind of this motherly figure role from the very beginning. And we can see the beginnings of her being very cautious and protective over Aang, saying things can change a lot in 100 years. But then Aang is just being like super optimistic, kind of the denial we talked about the last episode, like, you know, they're probably OK. They probably just escaped or something. Yeah, especially for him, because he's been in the iceberg and he has basically no memory of that that time that has elapsed. Like it was just yesterday for him that the airbenders were all in the temple. So it must like that just uh, thinking about that makes it like it makes you think that it's that much more difficult for Aang to accept it, which it really is because it was just yesterday he was with all his best friends. Yeah, that's really crazy. (laughs) Okay, so then we move on to the next scene, which is Zuko and Uncle having been wrecked in the last episode. They are going to get their ship repaired at this Fire Nation harbor. And Zuko is very paranoid because their ship got destroyed by the Avatar. But if the Fire Nation discovers that the Avatar is still alive, then there will be fleets of like armies and armies going for the Avatar, um, trying to capture him. So Zuko's trying to keep this on the DL. Yeah. Also, okay. super quick note. 
I was a little confused when I first saw this because I was like, so if you ever look at a map of the Avatar world, which maybe we should link because it's really cool. Um, like the Southern Water Tribe is all the way at the bottom, obviously at the South Pole. And then just north of them is like the beginnings of the Earth Nation. And then far to the west and like kind of to the north is the Fire Nation, right? So when I saw this, I was super confused. I was like, why, how did they get to a Fire Nation so quickly when Aang just got to the Southern um, Air Temple, which is like not too far from the South Pole? So this little area is actually an Earth Nation harbor that the Fire Nation has controlled for a long time. And I was just reading up and doing some research. And apparently this was like a very important base for that, the Fire Nation launching attacks on the South Pole and maybe presumably the Southern Air Temple also. So just a little tidbit for the curious ones out there. It's really great because in, in a later scene, uh, Zuko is talking to Admiral Zhao and Uncle Iroh. And behind them is a map of the Avatar universe. And on this map are actually are demarcated little red triangles. Uh, where there are either Fire Nation colonies or Fire Nation bases. And in one of the scenes, there's the Southern Water Tribe and right above that, the Southern Air Temple. And then slightly to the Northeast, you see a little red triangle demarcating where this harbor is in the Earth Kingdom. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Speaking of Commander Zhao, um, we have the opportunity to meet him here. So um, there's a little Zhao exchange. So he comes up and he remarks, that's quite a bit of damage. And then there's this funny encounter where Zuko's like, uncle, tell Commander Zhao what happened. Um, <laughs> uncle says, yes, it was incredible. What did we get into a crash or something? And then Zuko is trying really hard to lie and he's clearly very inept at it. And so it's kind of quirky. And I think it makes Zuko in this moment, it makes Zuko a little relatable and likable already, which is kind of surprising because it's episode two and he's clearly been made out to be villain number one. And so I just thought that was kind of cute. Um, and maybe like you have your first little inkling of sympathy for him. And we also find out that ginseng tea is Uncle Iroh's favorite, which was so surprising to me. I thought jasmine tea was his favorite. Yeah, bombshell re <laughs> revelation right there. Yeah, this kind of just made me question everything I've, I know about him <laughs> from the whole show um, because Zhao invites them in for tea. So, OK, I have a little bit on Commander Zhao, uh, on the inspiration behind Commander Zhao. So apparently when Brian and Mike were thinking about this character, they were inspired by a movie called The Patriot, which was a film made in 2000. And it was based on the American Revolutionary War. But basically, they based uh, Zhao on the main villain of that movie, who was Colonel Tavington. And basically, this guy was terrible. He was just like a ruthless, <laughs> psychopathic guy. People nicknamed him or in the movie, he was nicknamed the Butcher. Um, so it's already, yeah, this, this characterizes Zhao as a pretty, pretty bad dude. But the cool thing about this is that so Brian and Mike were inspired by Tavington for Zhao and and Tavington is played by Jason Isaacs and they actually got this guy, Jason Isaacs, to voice Zhao. What? Whoa. Yeah. That's so awesome. So that's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Cool little tidbit. That's so sick. He does sound very menacing. Yeah. I guess one last thing about this scene and I, I've realized I've been noticing this more and more, but when Zuko gets frustrated at his uncle telling him to respect his elder, um, he throws his hands in anger. But as when he throws his hands in anger, there's an arc of fire that follows his hands. Mm. So again, it's like 
elements and bending as an expression of your emotions. Yeah. yeah good catch. Yeah, good catch. That's pretty cool. All right. So the next scene is the team avatar. Also, I just I don't know when they start referring to themselves as that. No, team, team avatar happens after the drill episode. That so. Really? Yeah, it that happens late? that late. Like the end of or halfway through season two. That's insane. Okay, well. So we're, we're going to refer to them as team spoiler avatar. Spoiler alert. They're team avatar. <laughs> in case you weren't sure, they're a team that a, the avatar is part of. Okay. <laughs> so they're flying to the Southern Air Temple and Sokka is now being fully utilized as the com- like comic relief of the show. And he's like, I'm hungry. Meh, <laughs> I need food now. Um, and um, in this moment, I thought about how something that Mike DiMartino said wa- about Sokka as they were developing the character of Sokka. And so when they're thinking of Sokka's character traits, they were thinking, OK, sarcastic and a simple quote, every man who liked to hunt and annoy his sister. I think it's funny because they sought out to make Sokka this just like bro-y dude, um, which they clearly highlight in this scene. But once they landed on the idea that the Southern Water Tribe men were gone fighting the war, it gave Sokka a lot more responsibility and made him a lot more interesting into the Sokka we now know and love. But in this moment, he's just like, I need meat. I'm hungry, which is <laughs> clear. I don't know if this is just still early stage Sokka, um, you know, and they hadn't come to that idea of him yet or it's just the beginning of the show i think i remember reading that in the beginning like Sako was supposed to be kind of this cut and dry like um sibling for his sister but apparently the voice actor kind of put in his own like little like humor jabs into Sokka, and it kind of just stuck because it was just so good yeah so while they're flying we see katara trying to prepare ang for what he might see so katara reveals that the fire nation killed her mother so we knew that their mother was dead but we didn't know what what actually happened to her and then so she follows that by saying the fire nation is ruthless and they could have killed your people but Aang again thinks that they probably escaped and that this is an impossibility and he says to prove his defense that they probably escaped is the only way to get to an air temple is on a flying bison so you know like what do we think about that so I it was probably like that from for most of the Avatar universe history, because we see them on Appa and like flying upward over the cliff of a mountain for a while until they uncover the Southern Air Temple. Also, the Southern Air Temple is like basically built directly into a mountain. So it seems pretty true that for most of history, at least, that no one else could get there except someone who could fly. It also, um, while while uh, Katara and Sokka are walking through the temple, uh, Katara mentions that Katara and Sokka are some of the first, if not the first outsiders to be at the temple. Except for the Fire Nation, of course. But yeah, I wonder I wonder how they did get there then. I, w- I read somewhere that they, in Sozin's time, they still had dragons because he slayed oh, them. Yeah. So maybe he they used the dragons and then slayed them afterwards. So that's a possibility. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point. Okay, so the next scene is T with Commander Zhao. So they've been invited in into his quarters and he reveals some important plot points or alludes to some things. So he alludes to the fact that the Earth Kingdom is the key to winning the war and he reveals the plan to take over the Earth Kingdom. Um, 
And then there's a little exchange between Zhao and Zuko because I think Zuko says something sassy. And then Zhao says, two years at sea have done little to temper your tongue. This is an allusion to Zuko talking out of turn. And also it's revealed that he's been at sea for two years, which made me think that's not that bad for a, like a global search for the Avatar. And he did on in year two see Aang. So it's pretty darn lucky. <laughs> um, so... All things considered, Zuko, you know, Zuko could have been on this on the run for like 20 years or something. Yeah, pretty lucky. <laughs> Aang could have spent a lot more time in that iceberg. <laughs> Infinite more time. Um, yeah, then Zao's a little bit on to Zuko because he can tell Zuko isn't telling him the whole story. And he says, if you have an ounce of loyalty left, you'll tell me what you found. Which I think is really interesting because... Obviously, Zuko doesn't tell him anything, but I think it showed that Zuko has never really cared about the war. He's uh, he's never really cared about serving the Fire Nation. He only really cares about his father's love. I, I think Zuko also says the world won't go willingly. And this kind of, at least to me, harkened back to the whole reason why he got exiled, because he speaks out of turn. But more so, there's uh, something else that was really cool. The maps I alluded to earlier show up in this scene. And they don't ever show the map in its entirety. You kind of have to uh, find certain parts where they cut from different angles. And I think the way they cut it is very intentional because from the head on view, there's a Fire Nation soldier behind Zuko and it splits the map in two. And there's two very prominent uh, features on the map. There's Bossing Se on the right, and then there's the Fire Nation on the left. So immediately, if you're looking at the map, you see that as like the primary target. Um, and this is also kind of when Zhao is talking about the emperor's plans the, to take the Earth Nation by the end of the year. So it's very, very, I think, deliberate how they show the map in the different cuts. So the next scene is touring the air temple. So now they team avatar has arrived and they are just exploring. It is absolutely deserted. But Aang tries to maintain his sense of optimism and and he just wants to show his friends around now. So they play a little bit of airball. Um, and then the airball scene is kind of fun because in this episode, I think Sokka really displays a lot of emotional maturity and empathy that I don't know that he always displays. I feel like Sokka is usually the one to be like, like, why are you feeling this way? Why are you doing this? Like if you're you know, why are you being so emotional and illogical? But in this episode, he spends basically everything. He's always comforting Aang. He's always trying to put Aang's well-being first. And him and Katara spend most of the episode trying to protect him. And so Aang is clearly down um, when he sees that, when he says that, oh, well, now this place is all weeds. Nobody's home. Sokka is like, well, how do you play airball? Which I thought was just so sensitive and sweet and so unlike him in my mind um yeah it sounded like a really katara thing to exactly say right there. yeah they're both very caring at this point yeah it's pretty funny because we see two sides of Sokka on this episode one is this protective figure that kind of comes a little out of nowhere but is very interesting to see from Sokka and then the other side we see from him is that he's super hungry <laughs> that's all there <laughs> those is are the to two Sokka. sides of Sokka here I don't know if I 100% agree with that sentiment. I think Sokka manifests his his like um, love and protection for Aang in a different way by being the person who plans out and keeps them on track. Um, and he worries. He's the worrier of the group. 
Um, so we especially see that later on in the show. And because he's always worrying about the future, that comes off as harsh sometimes, I think. And I think, honestly, that is a manifestation of him caring for the survival of the team, really. I think a really great quote that outlines this is, is the, kind of the next scene where he finds a Fire Nation helmet and he lets Katara know and Katara decides to like cover. She First, she calls Aang over, but then she decides to cover up the Fire Nation helmet and also inadvertently like covers Sokka in a bunch of snow and he gets like, <laughs> kind of mad about it. Um, and she she lies about it. But as Aang walks away, Sokka says, you can't protect him forever. Um, and I think this really shows the two colliding philosophies between Katara and Sokka, where Katara just wants to protect him from any emotional harm at all. And Sokka thinks you have to face your problems head on and that's how you grow as a person. They really are like his mom and dad. <laughs> Which is funny yeah. because uh, <laughs> I don't know. I guess yeah. he gets out of like the sun zone. I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, this is his first time like in the real world, basically. So mm, yeah. cut them some slack. Yeah, yeah. Boring. Um, so then um yeah, then they're continuing to explore the air temple and they get to a statue of Monkey Yatso. Um, and then we go to a flashback of him with Monkey Yatso and they are air baking, as I've decided to call it. So maybe air bending is not so useless. You can use it to bake and make little like sponge cakes and stuff. And Aang is really sad about because he's recently found out he's the avatar and he's like, maybe they made a mistake. Um, I don't think I'm ready for this, whatever. And then it's revealed that they told him earlier than they usually tell avatars. And then Gyatso says, some of your questions will be revealed at the Air Temple Sanctuary, which I was like, why is this so cryptic? That was one question I had. Why is this like, you know, you'll know when you're when you're ready. It just it seemed to just serve the plot. It seemed to be just serving the plot of the episode. But yeah, it's like he's old enough to be the avatar or to know that he's avatar, but he can't enter the sanctuary that's meant for the avatars. So just a little weird, in my opinion. I don't know when I when I heard about the Air Nation Sanctuary or Air Temple Sanctuary, I kind of thought it as like a quinceanera for the Avatar, <laughs> <laughs> because you, you don't really see this at any other like Fire Sage Temple. Um, this is just like rite of becoming for the Avatar, and in this moment of Aang's weakness, Gyatso, who always wants to also kind of protect Aang, keep him like as a kid before he has to grow up too fast. He just wants to tell him about this cool thing. He's like kind of too giddy to keep it from him. Like that's how I like to think about it. Yeah. Also, Gyatso is just an awesome guy because, yeah, he's clearly protecting Aang here, which I think is really good and trying to preserve some remnant of the childhood so Aang is not totally devastated by all of this responsibility as he's only like a 12-year-old kid. But I think also Gyatso is showing here the importance of balance in general, because we see like when when they throw pies on the on the monks, um, it kind of shows these monks and the whole air temple as this really serious place for only the most dedicated to this practice of meditation. But Gyatso shows that there is this mischievous kind of fun side with low risk. It's not like they're doing anything risky or dangerous here, but just some fun that you can still have while doing the serious while doing these serious things. And I think this is one thing that 
that Aang really took to heart, as we see um, in the first couple episodes when he's showing these kids fun. I think because it was so important to him, he wants to spread that to other people. Yeah, also just a couple more things on the flashback. Um, so Monkey Yatso also dropped some other Buddhist wisdom. Uh, he says, you cannot be concerned for what was, but only what is. And so it's the idea that you, you can't change the past and you can't worry about it, but you can only change the future uh, and act now. Uh, and I think this is something that Aang, this is something that Aang contends with in this episode, because, I mean, clearly he's lost all of the, all of his family, all of the airbenders. Um, but by the end, he realizes that I have a new family and that's kind of what is. And I'm sure we'll talk about that more, but I think that's also just central to this episode. And the last thing I'll point out is in the flashback, there are all these mini appas and it was really cute. It was so cute. <laughs> I loved how many appas there were and how many momos there were. Oh, it's it amazing. so sad. Paradise. We need a prequel. Yeah. Forget yeah. Cora. <laughs> we need a prequel. <laughs> okay. So, um... All I'm saying is there are many bisons in Korra. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right, it's not the right. same. Um, so now they're back at the air temple and they are going um, into the air temple sanctuary. Yeah. Also, this animation. I'm a really big fan of this animation. Like when the air is going through the trumpet look at, looking thingies and then these seals like flip. I, I think I'm it's really cool. I'm so confused as to why all the technology is animated in this three-dimensional way and why everything else is so two-dimensional. It always felt a little out of place to me. It's because the it's because the air monks were so advanced. They had <laughs> three-dimensional technology. And everyone only had two-dimensional technology. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's weird. But anyways. <laughs> One thing I, I noticed that I thought was really cool is, um, and I'll kind of build on this like idea I have about what the Order of the White Lotus is, another spoiler, but... In the very beginning of the first and second episodes, we kind of see Iroh established that breathing is the most important thing in firebending. Um, but here we see before Aang really exert himself to open this door, what he, the first thing he does is take a really big breath in. And that kind of relates to very unrelated elements, air and fire. And I'll build on this thesis later, but I think the Order of the White Lotus is kind of these people that connect the different elements and realize that they all just have the same fundamentals um, and just express in very different ways. I think they're onto something. That's awesome. Yeah. So then next they go into the Air Temple Sanctuary and they see that the, all the past avatars. So at this point, we're getting another reveal, a lot of reveals in this episode. And Aang instantly feels a connection to them. And he just feels like he knows them somehow. And so it's also revealed that all the avatars have some sort of connection. Um, the present avatar has a connection to all the past avatars. And then there's a strange noise. And they're like, oh, uh, Sokka with his skeptical paranoia is like firebender immediately. And so they are hiding behind the avatar statues. Um, and fun fact, this is not mine. I found this on the internet, but the Fire Nation leitmotif plays here. Uh, and so it really like tricks you into thinking that it genuinely is a firebender. But then you see that's just Momo afterwards. And it's like Momo theme. One thing that stood out to me and I think this kind of highlights when Aang's uh, childlike glee kind of kicks into overdrive and 
like overrides anything in his brain <laughs> is he sees Momo, he starts chasing him and then he just books it off this cliff and he's just jumping down these rocks. Like, like you ever see those videos of like goats, like just jumping off a cliffside and they're just like parkouring down the hill. That That's like aim. Justin, and he's what? going so fast. He's like, eyes start like watering and they're like tears flying out of his eyes. And he's just like this wild, like berserk mode yeah. chasing after this he small looks lemur absolutely insane and when his eyes are watering when he's like in free fall first it was not cute but <laughs> i thought he <laughs> yeah, looked like the troll face. meme yeah. oh yeah <laughs> he looks like the, the troll emoji. meme um also when 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 Sokka's chasing uh the lemur his, this line just cracked me up he's like chasing it and he's like i want to eat you <laughs> <laughs> just cracked me up uh what a guy <laughs> Okay, and then in the next scene, so Zhao just found out that the Avatar is still alive. And so he's like, screw Zuko, I'm going to go find the Avatar myself. And so he's getting ready to leave. And um, Zuko tries to threaten Zhao by saying, like, I will capture the Avatar before you. Like, I will stop you. But then Zhao says, you can't compete with me and you. You're just a banished prince. No home, no allies. Your father doesn't even want you. Huge line. First, low blow. Wow. That hurts. (laughs) And it's so many things are revealed. Your banished prince, your father doesn't even want you. So that's linking banishing Zuko to his father. Honestly, you get so many pieces of the puzzle from this episode that if you were really detail oriented you could probably piece it all together because you have Agni Kai happening in this episode you have this line but I mean I'm sure most people don't I would have never (laughs) yeah that kind of reveals his motivation it's like his father banished him and his place on the throne is gone yeah um Zhao is just out here dissing Zuko (laughs) it's a straight diss track going on but he's like he also says you're a failure you even have a scar to prove it just touchy subject with Zuko. And then he says, maybe you'd like one to match. And he, which is a good comeback. And then he challenges Zhao to an Agni Kai. And I was just thinking like the balls on this kid, man. <laughs> what is he thinking? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on here. So first of all, why does Zhao, after he's gotten the information of the Avatar, why does Zhao like go after this kid so hard? And I was thinking maybe it's because he feels threatened by him that he's actually going for all these low blows when he doesn't have to. Like, he has information, he can move on, but he's provoking Zuko here. And maybe it is because he feels threatened by Zuko. I think he's just a bad person. Hmm. Or he's just a bad person. But, like, it seems it seems so silly to do that. And then, obviously, Zuko, with his bad temper, gets provoked yeah. and challenges him to an Agni Kai. The way to get to all the, all the men in this show is to just attack their pride. Um... It really leads them all to do a lot of stupid things, I think. Uh, Another interesting thing to note in this scene is the color grading. Um, Obviously, they're not using a real camera to record this and then edit it in post. So these are very intentional decisions they're making. But everything we see about the Fire Nation is very red tinted. Their eyes are red. Um, Things that aren't normally red have a red shade, which is kind of, again, juxtaposed like the Air Nomad flashbacks, which were yellow, and then the current day Southern Air Temple, which is very blue tinted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes it feel, makes them feel all the more evil. And then Iris says, Zuko, do you remember what happened the last time you dueled a master? Which is even like, oh, okay. Well, okay. My first thought was like, wow, that's kind of cold and thoughtless. Like, 
maybe Iroh is, needs to work on his empathy because obviously he remembers <laughs> the last time he dueled a master. So, I mean, it was coming from a good place, I think, because he's like, what are you thinking? But I was just like, this is, feels just like the absolute wrong thing to say right now. Yeah. And then there's this awesome shot of when he says, I'll never forget, the camera pans over to the um, side of his face with the scar. Pop quiz for you listeners out there. What side of his face is his scar on? Oh, good question. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it pans over and the lighting gets all dark and you're just looking. I think they do this a lot. I don't know if it's cliche. It might be a little bit, but they just often show Zuko's different sides. According to the situation, whatever side of him is appropriate for the time. I think one thing the dialogue reveals here is when, when they're having their banter and Zuko's like, would you like one to match? I wonder if everyone who gets an Agni Kai, if they lose, if they get burned by the winner. Yeah, so I was I was doing some research on this and I came across Avatar Wiki, which is a great resource for any Avatar fans out there. But uh, so I don't know exactly where they got this, but the rules of the Agni Kai say it ends when someone gets burned. Oh, uh, okay. And additionally, it's said that in the past, um, so it's basically a duel. I thought they fought to the death, um, but... <laughs> no, okay, so this, this is interesting. So in the past, before the time of Sozin, it, the rules are it ends when someone gets burned, but in the time of Sozin, I guess along with this theme of killing dragons and super aggressiveness, um, a lot of times there's a fight to the death. Mm. And so this it was even a form... So even the Fire Nation under the time of Sozin even corrupted this ancient tradition which is still violent, right? You're, you're burning someone, but it was corrupted to the point where people fought to the death. Wow. wow. So it's kind of like the scarlet letter you carry around for the rest of your life. That's really interesting. <laughs> I'm going to take comfort in this not fighting to the death thing because I think, I think Zuko wouldn't have if it was understood that it would, it was a fight to the death. I, I think that might be part of, I think that might just be showing Zuko's temper here again that he's so quick to go to the Agni Kai when things could be resolved by their means or did not even have to go to a duel like that but he's so quick to go to that and I think part of him knows that his life could be on the line that's that's fair so then we cut back to the air temple and they are in full pursuit of Momo and um he follows Momo into this like tent area that is has these um has this like curtain it's kind of ragged and then we see firebender helmets firebender skeletons and monkey Otso skeleton and i first I have a terrible memory so i think every time i rewatch this show it's just as delightful it's not more <laughs> delightful first because i'm learning more things but i also am genuinely genuinely surprised at different moments and this was one of the moments and so at this point i was genuinely not expecting it and so i was like floored at this moment again which is stupid because i've seen this show so many times but the music gets really dramatic and then you see yatso and they zoom in they zoom into like his skull and it's just horrifying imagery um and that's kind of a moment where you see that this is not just your average SpongeBob kids show. It's just super <laughs> horrifying. Um, this is Aang's lowest moment, like the whole show, I feel like. Um, he starts crying. He's his moaning made my heart hurt. Oh man. That it got, got me. me so hard. Me he is good. just so helpless in this moment. I think this is the one of the very few scenes in the show where we see a dead body. Even even with Jet, 
they don't like completely show him dead oh yeah they don't they don't yeah they don't go anywhere near it i guess it's just a skeleton but that might make it worse i don't know it's pretty pretty scary stuff yeah pretty pretty scary yeah they should have they should have you know rated this episode differently (laughs) not (laughs) pg-13 at least um yeah it's just really scary and it just they don't dance around the fact that what the fire nation did was what the, you know the genocide of the air nomads yeah. this is not yeah. this is how bad it was and yeah, they really this, they really yeah. like throw it in your face there's no like getting around it at this point yeah respect to to brian and mike for having the courage to put this on a kid's show yeah like how con- having kids confront the idea of genocide yeah it, it's definitely a lot to handle but i think they do it pretty well and then Sokka comes in and he's like, come on, Aang. I wasn't really going to eat the lemur, okay? And, <laughs> um, I don't know if I believe you there. Yeah, but. I don't either. But first, it takes him a while to see Monkey Atso, which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, not funny. It just doesn't make sense. And then um, he sees and he's like, oh, Aang, I'm so sorry. Something the scene got me thinking about is if Monkey Atso is around all these dead firebenders... Did he kill them? Did he break his vow of nonviolence? Oh, oh that's really interesting. That's and really then interesting. does that make Aang a better version of Monkey Atso? Wow. Wow, there's a lot there. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't really noticed that. I noticed there were a lot of Fire Nation armor. I wonder maybe if it's possible, if I want to believe in Monkey Atso, that he kind of ensnared them or trapped them until they just died. And also maybe when he was fighting, yeah, maybe when you're fighting for the survival of yourself and your people, something just snaps and the most important thing is survival. I don't know. That's a good, good point. I, I feel like he did because he's fighting for his people. He's fighting for his own life. There are so many of them and maybe not even intentionally. Maybe he's just whipping out like the hardcore airbending and like, and <laughs> yeah. It's so powerful that, you know, maybe he does like fatally injure them and stuff. Yeah. So at this point, he goes into the Avatar state twice in two episodes. Wow. Really getting a lot of Avatar action Yeah, we, we here. should have a counter on, on Avatar state. <laughs> yeah. So Avatar <laughs> state number two. Um, and then all the Avatars in the different like temples around the world are glowing too now. And... Katara is in the Air Temple Sanctuary and she sees all the statues light up um, and she knows something is wrong. So so here's a question. Um, And I I don't know if they ever clear this up, but do the statues light up every time the Avatar enters the Avatar (laughs) state? That's a good question. And then if that's the case, like you can make like crazy flashlights and then like (laughs) put like a little like Aang head in the flashlight and then Aang just like enters the avatar state and then boom the flashlights everywhere and it'll solve our whole energy crisis the energy crises of the world (laughs) it'll lift everyone it'll lift everyone in bossing say out of poverty (laughs) to to be able to have electricity and light all the time (laughs) what i thought you might be saying was why didn't this happen in the last episode was when ang was in the avatar state like why didn't the other sages from the other nations see the light of the avatar state Mm. i thought this was a plot hole too but my response is that at that point he hadn't formed a connection yet with his past lives and as after he entered the air temple sanctuary he had 
So then this this giant circular tornado starts. He starts like working up this tornado around him and Sokka flies back um, and he like grunted. And he's a really funny yeah, scream. Yeah, he grunted. Yeah. Okay, okay, wait, I didn't, I grunt? thought I was being yeah, really was, random by bringing this no, up, but he did that, make a funny no, no. grunt, right? It was pretty funny. It, it, just, it, was pretty funny. it was stuck out so much. And this reminded me of a fun fact of when they talked about how they do, how they make the episodes, the voice actors record first, the animators then animate according to what the script is. And then they oh. go back, the voice actors go back and fill in the different grunts for like the action sequences and stuff. And I don't know, maybe Sokka makes a really funny noise here. I don't know why this <laughs> yeah. stuck out to me so much, but I'm glad you can relate. Um, Oh man, it's great. I recommend people go go to the sea and, and, and watch just the grunt. <laughs> yeah, so he flies back um, and then Katara comes running in and Sokka says, he found out the firebenders killed Gyatso um, and then she's like, I'm going to try to calm him down. Um, and at this point, I just thought this is Katara really being brave, trusting in herself that she has the power to kind of get through to Aang because she cares about him so much. And like, I mean, it just goes to show how strong his and Katara's connection is already. And then the second thing I thought was at this, uh, it's a reveal that the Avatar state um, can also be triggered by rage and emotion, which is a theme of bending in general. Um, All right. And then we get to the next awesome scene. It's the Agni Kai showdown between Zuko and Zhao. Oh, this is such a great scene. So... First thing is they're standing on opposite sides of whatever uh, the platform they're on and they both reveal themselves. <laughs> and I read somewhere <laughs> online. So, yeah, so they take off their shirts or shawls or whatever. Um, and I read online that like this is the moment where they captured the uh probably like minority female audience at this point um, and really made it a show for everyone <laughs> was when we see Zuko shirtless for the first time. Um, so yeah, they roped in the the girls quickly. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so that was funny. Um, and then yeah, Agni Kai, the music is bumping this whole time. Um, and we really hear it in full for the first time here. I think they only played like snippets of it in the previous two episodes. Um, and then like never played again. Yeah. Now I'm going to be so hyper aware of it. <laughs> so I just think this whole sequence is so amazing. It's just a really great action sequence. I think we can break it down a little bit more right now. Yeah. Just real quick before we get into the action. Um, just an interesting tidbit on the etymology of Agni Kai. Um, but so in Hindi and Sanskrit, Agni means fire. And this was actually something that was really obvious to me, but clear, like obviously not obvious to most people. Um, but it means fire and um, Kai, I didn't know, but the suggested thing I saw was Kai me is Japanese for meeting. So it's like a meeting of wow. fire. Yeah. Oh. But I thought that was very cool. Okay. Back to the action. Yeah. So <laughs> feel free to jump in whenever, because I feel like I'm going to just, I'm going to get really into it. So um, <laughs> first Zhao does this like sick fire slice from the ground up, like, yeah, oh, and it yeah, just yeah, like yeah. blazes a trail across the ground. Um, and also in the beginning of the battle or uh, uh, the beginning of the Agni Kai, Iroh yells, basic Zuko, break his root. And I was like, is that cheating? Having a coach? <laughs> 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. That, that was not the beginning. That was not the beginning. Zuko starts out with a flurry of attacks and then Zao is able to break it with the ground oh, attack. But if okay. you pay very close attention to their breaths, 
Zuko is out of breath by the end of his like little like shebang or whatever. <laughs> and then mm. he's panting. And that's when Iroh yells, Zuko, uh, basic Zuko, break his root. Yeah. So after Iroh yells his illegal coaching, um, <laughs> Zhao advances step by step towards Zuko. Um, and Zuko's able to deflect, but he's very much on the defense. Like he's very much on the defensive right now. Um, and something I noticed that was cool about this was that Zhao is delivering those um, blows synchronized to the music. And it's just like, it's pretty cool because it goes like, dun, and then dun, dun, and like, and then at the same time, Zuko's like backing up and it's just like, uh oh, like what's going to happen? Yeah, the music's like crescendoing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not looking good for him right now. Um, and then seemingly, or it seems like Zhao is about to deliver the final blow, but then he does this sick breakdancing airbender move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they, repla- they replay it like three times. Sorry, pause before that. Um, so before that, Z- uh, Zuko has kind of fallen to the ground and Zhao is about to deliver the final blow. And you see the camera zooms in to camera. Haha. Um, the no camera here um it zooms into zuko's eyes and you see them flicker and i read somewhere this is not original but like you can almost imagine that he's reliving his father's blow to him at that moment Mm. um and maybe that's what inspires him to kind of stand his ground um and then he does the breakdancing thing and he gets back on his feet and i think i think maybe an advantage he has here is is zao feeling so overconfident that he's just fighting this kid um that he doesn't consider Zuko's ability to like swerve or regain his like positioning or anything like that. Yeah. And then so in this breakdancing move, he does knock Zhao off his roots and knocks his leg over. And so Zhao now has fallen kind of and has lost his balance. But real quick tidbit. So as I was talking about earlier with the movie The Patriot (laughs) and how Zhao is inspired by Colonel Tavington. So I have some spoilers here for The Patriot, which (laughs) I did not watch um, in full disclosure, but I read Wikipedia spoilers. And I think if a movie is 20 years old, it's fair game. uh, You can. Yeah, it's fair game. So anyway, so in the climax of the movie, apparently, so the main character is Benjamin. He's a good guy. And the Colonel Tavington is a bad guy. So in the end, like they have a duel. And apparently... Colonel Tavington knocks down Benjamin and is about to deliver a final blow. But then uh, Benjamin dodges it real quick and stabs Tavington in the stomach and kills Tavington. So it must this duel must be, if not explicitly, implicitly inspired by that moment. In the wow. Film. Yeah. We should do a podcast episode on this movie. <laughs> on the period. <laughs> And then you have the opposite thing happening. So again, with the music, Zuko is continually advancing on Zhao um, as Zhao is still kind of like regain, like regaining his composure and still kind of shocked. Um, yeah, Zuko is advancing and he has Zhao on the ground um, at the end and he shoots a fire, a blast of fire at the ground next to Zhao's head. Okay, so this was like... This, I think, is the moment. So we have the moment before with Aang and uh, and Monkey Yatso when that whole revelation, I think in the episode, this is the other revelation. Because up till now, Zuko has been seen as pretty much bad guy number one. Um, but in this moment, Zuko finally has the chance to lash out and inflict 
all the rage and resentment he has been feeling for the past two years, but he chooses not to. And I think that's when it kind of opens up this box of Zuko as a more complex character. And we really see that he's not he's not just a villain that he but even though his father decided to burn him, he took the higher road and didn't burn Zhao. And there's some there's definitely some maturity there when it had been very easy to. And maybe in his mind, he had all the reason to. Yeah. Um, and then Zhao goes. So Zuko turns his back and Zhao goes for a surprise attack after the Agni Kai is over. Um, classy move on his part. Um, but then Iroh comes in and he intervenes and he does like the Kung Fu Panda wuxi finger hold type thing <laughs> on, his, yeah. on his fist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is kind of baller because, you know, he didn't like Iroh did not have to do much to stop Zhao. So we get yeah. a little hint of Iroh's hidden like badassery and then Zuko gets angry obviously and he says no Zuko do not taint your victory um and then he delivers the classic line even in exile my nephew is more honorable than you um but this uh, when Ira said do not taint your victory it just made me think of the two different kinds of honor like there's honor from without which is the honor that Zuko is seeking from his father but there's also honor from within which is just you doing what's right and they are oftentimes they oftentimes conflict with each other. Um, so in this case, Iroh is appealing in, in most of the show. He does appeal to honor um, done unto oneself. Also, just the the Zhao shooting a fireball at Zuko after it ended just totally reinforces, even if even if you thought Zhao might be a good guy for whatever reason, it shows you that he's just a lousy Yeah, dude. and so, I think I think... There you go. It's interesting that this is episode three and they're already setting up somebody who you dislike more than Zuko. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that episode three, like the first two episodes, you're like, oh, Zuko's bad guy. But now it's like, oh, who what is Zuko? Like, am I do I hate him? Do I like him? Like and I think that's also something that's kind of rare for a quote unquote kids show. Mm -hmm. too. They're already adding a lot of complexity it's just already. To yeah, already such a complex character is, is really cool. And yeah, so then we go back to Aang about to blow the mountain off the cliff. And and I just love how much Katara shines in this scene um, because, yeah, she's always Aang's rock. Um, and so she talks about she knows how hard it is to lose someone. She's being really empathetic. She reveals or not reveals. She mentions again that she lost her mother. Um, but then she says, we're your family now. And. It's a very sweet notion because, you know, her family's gone. Her and Sokka's families are gone. Aang's families are gone. It's just a moment of unity. So Katara says, we're your family now. And this does calm Aang down. So Aang, even though he's in his fit of rage, he does hear Katara. And so he comes down from his after state and he collapses into her arms and it's just really tender. And he's he's, again, so weak. He kind of, you know, he's weak from Avatar state. But then Katara is like holding him. And Sokka says, Katara and I aren't going to let anything happen to you. We promise. And I just wrote, why is he so darn cute uh -huh. in this episode? <laughs> <laughs> I think Aang here says, I'm sorry to Katara. Yeah. And I don't know, to me, it's like, well, like how ashamed of who he is as the avatar is he that he's sorry to enter the avatar state yeah i think he's just embarrassed that he let her see how angry and how 
maybe he thinks that's a, just a show of weakness mm -hmm. and he's just embarrassed by that. I think that makes sense. Um, and then he ha he delivers the punchline. I really am the last airbender. Um, and this is just, I mean, it's the end of the episode. It's the ultimate realization. It's also the, but it's all, you know, last airbender. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> we get it. Um, and then Momo brings them food. <laughs> and then Momo lightens up Momo, the mood as always. Who's not yet named Momo. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Okay. So Momo brings some food and then there's that stuff. But then later when they're by the lake, they're like, oh, what should we name this lemur, random lemur thingy? And then Momo steals a peach from Sokka just before Sokka's about to eat it. And then Aang's like, oh, let's name him Momo. And Momo is Japanese for peach. So it shows again the influence that they were able to gather from different languages and apply it in a cute way. Yeah, fun fact. Momo is also like an Indian dish that's like in the Nepalese region, but it's Tibetan for a certain type of dumpling. <laughs> so maybe Tasaka, he really is dinner, you know? Uh, <laughs> peach and dumpling sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. <laughs> Last opportunity for Sokka. Um, but he's finally eating. Everyone's happy, including Aang. So I, it struck me how quickly he cheers up after literally losing it and seeing dead monkey Atso. <laughs> just another thing on momo um so momo uh so i was reading that mike and brian were thinking that momo would be the reincarnation of monkey Atso, but they ended up not doing that so it's not clear and it's not clear anywhere in the show that momo is the reincarnation of monkey Atso. but part of me likes to think that he is and i'm sure that idea contributed to mike and brian's conception of momo because that was definitely something they thought about a lot so even if they didn't say it explicitly i think that's part of that might be part of who momo is and we see momo stealing the peach right before he's about to eat it shows that mischievous side you know kind of like monkey Atso had that mischievous side interesting if monks if humans can be reincarnated as animals, animals, I wonder if Appa is reincarnated as Nala. Also, if a human was reincarnated as an animal, doesn't that mean that Monkey Yatsu did something bad? Is that like moving down in the in the hierarchy? In the hierarchy. <laughs> yeah, he has a uh, bad karma. So maybe maybe he did kill those firebenders. Yeah, maybe he did kill exactly. those firebenders. Okay, one more thing about Momo. Last thing about Momo, I promise. <laughs> so the voice actor for Momo is this guy named D. Bradley Baker, who also did the voice of Appa. So they're voiced by the same person. And okay, he also voiced a very famous animal from another animated show. Ooh, Can you guys ooh. guess? Famous animated show. Famous. All right. Do you want a hint? Do you want a hint? Sure. It's a Disney show. There's a lot of animals in Disney shows. In oh, a come show? On. There's there's a famous one. Yeah, animated show. Mickey Mouse. Oh, uh, Donald Duck? No. Do, uh, but they all a talk, newer show. though. Newer like, one. These animals don't Yeah, talk. it doesn't... This this animal doesn't talk. Oh, my God. What? A newer you'll, show. You'll, you'll kick yourselves when I tell you. Oh, is it uh, Baby Yoda? No. Oh. <laughs> That's a good guess. I feel like all animals okay, in Disney you? talk. Okay, I think I think some of our listeners might, must have gotten it by now. But, uh, okay, yeah, tell us. Yeah. What is it? All right, it's, it's Perry the Platypus. Ah! That's Disney? Disney oh, owns okay. everything these days. Oh, Justin, you're kicked out. That's <laughs> classic Disney. Oh my gosh, that's so good. I can see it. I can see it. 
Justin, I believe you have something to say about the ending of the show. <laughs> yeah. So after the, after they have this great moment where Aang kind of recognizes their family and they, he introduces Momo as a new member of their family. Uh, they play the, the song that you hear at the end of most episodes, but it doesn't Called end. Safe, I believe. Safe. Yeah, it doesn't end in the same way that it normally ends. It goes like, do, 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 do. By the way, I'm horrible at singing. I don't know why I'm being forced to do this. Uh, so I apologize to you. I ears. just don't know how it but sounds. Like, do, 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 do. And normally it goes like, do, 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 do. But like, it ends on like a weird note. It's like, do, and like, like oscillates <laughs> a little bit. Um, but Anand can elaborate a little bit more. We'll make sure if there's any more singing ever in this podcast, say you do it, Justin. Oh, no. Um. That was beautiful. Uh, but yeah, so so I was just playing with this tune on my piano just to see what Justin was talking about here. But usually it, I think it ends either on the tonic or the dominant. So the home, the home note or the fifth note, which are both kind of like safe endings and kind of resolve the theme. But this episode is, ends on the sixth um, of the scale, which is kind of just an unsure uh, key, which is kind of a little sad it's it's related to a minor chord and it's kind of just like an unsure note to end on so why yeah. would they do that good catch justin this is everything felt resolved yeah but <laughs> ang's looking back at the air temple mm, you know yeah just a little you're right just a little and sad i wanted to say this last time and the time before that but i didn't um but speaking of music the music in avatar is composed by jeremy zuckerman and it's all phenomenal and really kicking myself for not giving him credit for the past two or past two episodes so yeah great detail from him on that so we're gonna wrap it up now by doing our ratings for the episode so as always i'm uh give you the imdb rating this one is an 8.5 out of 10 so the highest yeah linear growth right here yeah by episode 60 we'll be at a, a you know 65 <laughs> out of 10 um so what did you guys give it? Okay, so I'm <laughs> so first of all, I'm gonna amend my ratings no. from the past two episodes because no, I realized. Okay, I'm sorry I had to do this, but I realized I needed more granularity at the higher say, end. Why don't we so say many, point fives are allowed? No, 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 no. no I, I, that's fine. Okay, point fives are allowed. I'm still gonna do this because I still need more space at the higher end because there's so many good episodes, you know. So I'm gonna shift the previous two episodes down by one. So episode one, I'm giving six. Episode two, I'm giving a five. And this episode, I'm giving a 7.5. Because I think I think the climax of this episode is really, really good. The Agni Kai is really epic. Um, the Avatar state is really touching. The whole Gyatso thing is just very, it's very intense. Uh, and I really appreciate that. And the action is really good. Um, I don't give it a higher score because I think the beginning or like the first 15 minutes... Yeah, first two thirds of the episodes are kind of is kind of slow, but there is still some great um, character development there and a big a lot of reveals. So solid episode. I'll give it a seven point five. Justin, um, it's like a nine. It's pretty good. Wow, this wow. is from the guy who n not needing amending because it's cheating gave the first one a five. So. <laughs> Is very engaging, had incredible fight scenes. We learned so much about the characters. And 
yeah, I think they took a lot of risk with the Giotto scene and then I respect that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I gave it an eight. I was also thinking of amending my scores, but I'm not a cheater. And <laughs> so <laughs> I think there's shock factor, there's character development, there's great choreography and fighting, and there's so much ref there's so many references to things to happen in the future with Zuko and his whole storyline. And I think there's just immense growth for everybody involved. And that concludes this episode of the podcast. So thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed um, joining us on our, in our discussion of the Southern air temple. And as always, we release what's Appa on what's Appa Wednesdays. So we'll see you guys here next week for our discussion of the Warriors of Kyoshi. In the meantime, if you want to stay up to date with when we're releasing or if, or if you want to get in touch with us and submit thoughts or questions about the different episodes. So for next week, we'd love to hear what you think about the Warriors of Kyoshi. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at, at what's underscore Appa. You can like our Facebook page and you can email us at what's pod at gmail.com. So thanks again so much um, for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.